Father, this morning we just come to you. We just want to thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. For your word is forever settled in the heavens. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not a dot from your word. So today, Father, open our ears once again that we might hear you speak to us. Not the whole sermon, but you speaking to each one specifically according to their need, according to what they are going through. I pray, Father, to the youngest, to the oldest who is in your house today, you are the same Father. With the innocence of a child and the boldness of a child, I pray, Father, even during the hearing of the word, let each one in faith receive and approach you. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. A Sunday school teacher came and told the pastor, you know, you, how many of you have seen the old famous painting of Jesus praying in Gethsemane? You know, him praying and all the disciples around falling asleep, sleeping. Very famous painting of Jesus agonizing in prayer and the, all the disciples praying. So Sunday school came and told the teacher, pastor, pastor, you know what? When my Sunday school students saw that picture, they said, Jesus reminded of you. Pastor felt so good. He really wanted to preach, but you have to be humble, right? You're a pastor. So very humbly, he said, oh, I feel touched that I remind them of Jesus. So the school teacher said, yes, because the children said, Jesus must have prayed so long, that's why the disciples fell asleep. So if you fall asleep, don't think I'm like Jesus if you fall asleep, okay? If I preach too long. The first words we have today is Romans 10 and verse 17. Remember, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Underline that in your heart. Faith comes from hearing. Second one is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 1.17 For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we hearing, first thing is we need to hear. Faith comes from hearing. Once you hear, we hear, I hear, we Walk by faith. And that walk of faith has to lead to a life of faith. And that life of faith pleases God. So it's simple four letters. Hear, walk, live, please. That's the sum total life of a believer. That's why this concentration, the focus on hearing the word of God. We have to hear, even when you are reading the word of God, those of you consistently have a personal 
discipline of reading the word of God. Even when you read, you have to hear. Everybody cannot read. Like yesterday we had the pastor's conference and a couple of pastors couldn't come. They are blind and they come from far away, but they didn't have the other person who usually brings. And they're such nice, humble, wonderful people. And they called and he was literally in tears by saying, Pastor, there's nobody to bring me here for the pastor's conference and I miss and I don't even have a smartphone so your whatsapp message I cannot listen so when I come next time can you give me the CD of the whole messages because we keep listening listening no? so remember faith doesn't come from seeing faith comes from listening from hearing so that's the first thing and when you read this book the book bible means the book the book. There are many books, but this is the book. Okay? Believe this is the living book. Believe that God will... Sp- Just don't do a daily devotions like a route. Believe that God actually even today will speak to you through that same word. It doesn't matter. It may be somebody's life which happened 3,000 years ago, but God is living and the word of God is living and he will speak to you. And then once you receive it, hold on. If you were there on Wednesday, we looked at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. As his divine power, that is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, has given to us all things, everything we need to life, that is here, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory. We have to know him, by which have been given to us what? exceedingly and great and precious promises. The Bible is full of promises. Around 9,000 promises. That through these promises, so you have to hear very carefully. Because when you hear, God will specially, all promises like the old covenant, most of them we do not need anymore because he's our father. And the father has said, most things a child doesn't even have to worry, parents take care of it. Some of the prayer requests of children to the heavenly father are very silly. Because he's our father. That's why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things I will add. So we have our prayers have to be connected with those things. And he says, when you do that, you become partakers of his own very nature. The God life. His nature. And what happens you escape the corruption that is in the world that comes through. The promise is very important because you will need a promise when everything falls apart and nothing seems to be happening. The only thing that matters is the promise you have. And like God says, my word is forever settled in the heavens. Heaven and earth will not, it will pass away. But his word, the promise you have received cannot pass away. So you need those promises to hold, especially in the times of trials and testings and storms. Two promises. Joseph received and for 13 years in the midst of unbelievable suffering as a slave and as a prisoner, he held on to that promises until the promise came to pass. So just don't casually, mechanically, robotically read the word of God or listen to the word of God because there are unbelievable promises you will need. Because the days we are moving into, we know according to scripture, only gets worse and worse. And the only thing that you and I will have is a promise to hold on. So when you hear, and in 2 Corinthians 1.20, scripture says, every promise for all the promises of God are where? In him, in Christ Jesus, are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises are not 
There is not a single promise you and I will receive, which is no. God says, it is yes and amen. It is done. So let it be in Jesus Christ. So you will realize in life, at the end of the day, you will realize, especially all your money has failed. You got pots and pots of money. You have reached the last stage of your life. Let us say, whatever disease it, breathing your last breath in the ICU and you will realize only thing will matter is one promise. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Nothing else matters. One promise. And if salvation was by your or my works in that last stage, you have no hope. It's because you put faith in his work and the promise is given here. That's the only thing that will matter. But that is the way God wants all of us to live. That is what it is called the life of faith, which is because it's based on the promises of God. That's why in 1 John chapter 2 verse 17, the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So remember, also on Wednesday we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The only three things that matter is faith, love and hope. And the greatest of them is love. So remember, every attack of the enemy, whichever way the attack is aimed at this three. He will try to attack your love for God and cause you to doubt God's love for you. He will attack your faith and then you lose your hope. Every attack is basically so that your love for God and you start doubting the love of God for you and your faith is attacked. Ultimately, you have no hope and you will realize where there is no hope, the spirit dries away. The soul wastes away. You may be incredibly six foot giant, but your spirit will will dry away because spirit hope is connected to that. So please remember this because like I keep saying, and we know it's true, the world is on its last legs. The whole Ploy. It's literally, it's the, the, the earth is on its last legs, tripling into destruction. And the enemy's ploy is to get us, pull us down into the destruction of the earth. Because he knows his days are numbered. Because even if we don't read scripture, he does. Even if we don't believe scripture, he does believe scripture. The demons, when they were cast out by Jesus, they knew his, they knew there was a day appointed for them to be cast down. And they said, have you come before your, our time? They already know where they are going. In Revelation 12, uh, no, 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 no. Did I give it? No, not 2, sorry, 12, 12. Not 2, 12, 12. The Satan, the devil, therefore rejoice heavens and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. He knows his time is up. If this was written 2,000 years ago, he knows in God's eternal perspective, he's on his last stretch of seconds left. So he knows he gets, he gets incredibly angry. He wants to pull down as many people as possible with him. So be always be aware of it. He attacks your love. He attacks your faith. He attacks your hope. In First Peter chapter 5, scripture says, so be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. How? Steadfast in faith. You cannot resist him consistently unless you're steadfast in your faith. And faith comes from and hearing from the word of God. Because you need to realize this is his blow. And this is the thing. One little 
Words from the Bible can change your day. Can incredibly change your day, your life, your perspective because that is the power of God's word. The power is in this word because it is God breathed. Sleeping with the Bible under your pillow is not going to change anything. Okay. Sleeping with the word of God in your heart will change your life. It's the power is in the word of God. In Psalm 119 and verse 160, the entirety of your word is truth. Entire, the whole word. And you have to believe it. You have to believe it. Like pastors yesterday I was telling, no? I was telling them from Exodus 32 and 33, you know? There is a tent of meeting before the tabernacle was built. There is a tent of meeting. This is the Jewish camp where the people are all staying. And there is a camp, tent little further away from the camp where anybody, which is interesting if you read and most people don't read closely, anybody in the camp wanted to meet God could go there and meet God. And talk to him their problems. I don't know whether anybody went. That the Bible doesn't say. But scripture says that when Moses went, all the people got out of their tents and stood at the door watching one man going to meet God. Because when he went to meet God, the cloud came down and there was the pillar at the entrance and then people started worshipping. Did you look at this? An entire nation has the freedom to approach God, yet their worship is entirely determined by one man's encounter with God. One man's encounter with God. But New Covenant God doesn't want that. He says, everyone come boldly. Encounter me. These promises are all for you. You don't have to worry about what you're going through. This is there. My word will never pass away. And we will also see that after Moses and God spoke and Moses went away, scripture says, there is a Joshua there who would tarry in the dispersing, I would say, presence of God. And God saw that young man and picked him as the next leader. So you have to remember that the tent of the meeting. And I asked the pastors, you're all pastors over here. How many of you actually read the book of Leviticus? And everybody, as usual, will put their head down. Anybody reads the book of Leviticus? Oh, I am the royal priesthood. But then you should read Leviticus. That's the book for the priesthood. And you know how the book of Leviticus begins? And God spoke from the tent of meeting. One man used to go to that tent. God spoke to him and he wrote it for everybody who could have gone there and heard individually. He spoke. That's how it begins, Leviticus 1.1. He spoke and he says, these are the regulations for my priests so that they can come with me, serve me, live their lives. These are the regulations. You don't have to follow physically those regulations, but you read it, you will understand what it means spiritually to us. That's not today's teaching. But I'm telling you the power of God's word, which can change your life. You have to believe that the entirety of your word is truth from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. The entirety of word is truth. Because you never know in a day from which portion God will speak to you. He will speak to you. And when he speaks to you and you know you read scripture, but God is speaking to you, hold on. Because that's where the power lies. It's an old, old story of a couple who went for a church for the first time. They were Christian background, never been to church. And it was an evangelistic crusade and somebody had invited them to this church. And uh, they went and they heard and they were given a Bible 
And they were told, New Covenant, New Testament, and they were told, read that Bible every day, and God will speak to you, because the God of the Bible speaks through the Bible. So the husband and wife, very cute young couple, thought we will read together every day. First few days, they read. And after that, few nights later, the husband told the wife, Honey, I have reached this conclusion. According, if this book is true, we are sinners. Uh, wife said, honey, I believe the book is true. They continued reading. A few nights later, the husband said, honey, if this book is true, you and I are not only sinners, we are lost. She said, I also agree. And they went to bed very miserable. They continued reading the Bible for a few more nights. And a few days later, the husband said, do you realize if this book is true, we can be saved. We can be saved if we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Wife said, I believe too. So they knelt down and they asked, asked Jesus to come into their heart. Two days later, they continued reading and they said, if this is, book is true, we, de- we need no more evidence. We are saved. We are saved. We need no more evidence. We are saved. That's what faith is. I take you, Lord, at your word. I take you, Lord, at your word. I believe. Because you said it. I believe. And the authority of God's word is established in individual lives as we appropriate the promises of God, which becomes personal promises. That's where it becomes living. So the Daily struggle, which God said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is, you shall walk by faith and not by sight. It's not easy. It is, it's like trying to uh, run blindfolded. It's not easy. But God says that's what you need to. That's why in second, in Hebrews chapter 4, he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. How do you enter into his rest? How do you enter into his rest? You enter into his rest by holding on to his promises and living life as if it is normal. That's, I believe, what Joseph did. Put in chains, dragged to Egypt, sold as a slave, and working absolutely as if everything is fine in his life because he has entered into into God's rest and doing his work because he says, God has spoken, you will reign, I will reign. My current situation is not going to affect my destiny. I believe what God has done. Therefore, I rest. I rest. That's what God is talking about. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. That is the greatest thing. Our work after rest is easy. We struggle with our work is because we are not entering into the rest. But the rest will only happen when you believe the promises of God and you Hold on the promises of God. Simple, childlike faith. That is what Jesus said. You need to be like a child to enter into the kingdom of God. Meaning to, not salvation, to appropriate the power of that kingdom. Because you, you just saw during offertory the little one coming up over there. Do you think the crowd bothered to her? Do you think it's a church service? Or oh, it's up in the platform. Pastor is speaking. You see, it didn't make any difference to her. And God says... It shouldn't make any difference to you. I am your father. You can come anytime. Anytime. 
Okay, you did the word sin yesterday. Still come. I'm your father. Receive mercy and tell me what's your need. You receive grace for it. Come. The most unutilized invitation in a believer's life. I'm not talking about unbelievers. They don't know. So they have to do all the rituals and you look at them. No, I always say you look at the zeal of a religious person. Just to believe you are forgiven of your sins, rolling down mountains, lying on nails, walking over fire, glass. What all do religious people do? Piercing them all for that. Just to have a little confidence, I am forgiven. Here God says you are forgiven. Come boldly. Most underutilized invitation in eternity. Come. So you have to go into the word of God. And when you see the word of God, understand the power, the living power of the word of God. And that's where the Psalms are so powerful. Today I'm going to preach from a Psalm, which I rarely, I leave all that to Pastor Vijay. But but today I'm going to preach from the book of Psalms. So the first question I need to ask you is, are you unhappy? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you unhappy? Are you depressed? Do you feel lonely? Because most of the calls I get is connected with that. Nobody is there for me. They're believers, but I tell them. Doesn't sound kosher because God said, I will never leave you, no? Forsake you. So just change that and say, do you want to get married or not? Let's change the, this thing. Now don't make it so spiritual. When you say nobody is there, you're putting God also in that group or not. Or you're actually saying, I'm not satisfied with God. I need somebody else. Okay, so ask this question. Are you happy? Are you unhappy? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you overcome? by? Because you need to understand depression is the the largest symptom today in this world. One of the most, if I am right, the medicines that is being taken all over is antidepressants. And most of the diseases are caused by depression and discouragement. And these are the years where among youth, almost in those incredibly prosperous nations, suicide rates are rocketing. Never in the history of these nations did young people kill themselves so much. You know why? Everybody is depressed. Everybody is discouraged. Everybody is unhappy. But the psalm says in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And verse 22, The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. It's a promise. You just don't read it. You look at this promise and say, I'm your child. And I trust you. And I take this as my promise for today. I will not be desolate. I will not be unhappy. I will not be discouraged. I will not be depressed. Because your word is true. Your word has power. And I believe, O Lord. I believe. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And he shall not be desolate. Unhappy, depressed, discouraged. Desolate is the old KJV, King James English word, which means all these things. All these things. Why? Why? And how do you appropriate this? Let's go to verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall be continually in my mouth. That is the key. How do you do? I don't look at my circumstances. I look into your word and I look at you and I know you don't change. You are always the same. So what shall I do? I will bless the Lord all times 
and his praise shall be continually in my mouth. That is how you establish our thoughts with his thoughts and his promises. That is what actually Habakkuk was saying in, uh, not King James, but Pastor James' version. Even if everything fails, my business has failed, my health has failed, my family has failed, yet I will put my trust in the Lord and I shall praise him. And he shall make my feet like the feet of a hind. That is precise, swift. He's talking about that special kinds of deer, heart. You heard that H-A-R-T is a deer that goes up the mountain. They don't fall. It's a narrow, but he says, I'm going up and up. My feet are sure. My feet are precise and my feet are fast. I'm going up. He says, I'm not looking at my situations. I'm going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to rejoice in you. That's what scripture is saying. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Your praise shall be continually in my mouth. And I will bless you at all times. Remember, the key is this. I shall bless you at all times. And your praises shall be continually, meaning always in my mouth. My circumstances, my situations do not determine my praise. It is easy for anybody to react like Miriam. Take your tambourine and stand dancing because your enemies have been destroyed. God says, no, that's good. That's fine. You should. But he says, there is something else which I want you to come to, to believe. I am good and I'm good all the time. That's what Paul and Silas was doing in that midnight hour in the prison. Praising God because your praise shall be continually in my mouth. That is what John the Baptist was not able to do. When he was in prison. That is what Elijah was not able to do. When he was threatened by Jezebel. He ran for his life and said. Lord I want to die. That is what Jonah was not able to do. When he saw the glory of God in the Nineveh camp. He says I am so angry I want to die. You see they all stopped praising God. And every one of them went into depression. Every one of them. And they were incredibly powerful men of God who knew God, who through whom God had that mighty deeds. But when praise stopped and they stopped blessing God, they all went into depression. And God says, not my servants. You shall not be desolate. You're not meant to be desolate. You're not meant to walk in depression because of your circumstances. You says, if you put trust in me, let my praises be in your mouth continually. Let it not go away. How many of you heard, I mean, those who, all the ones who read, C.T. Studd, the famous missionary. He was a cricketer, right? He was a very famous cricketer who left his cricket profession to become a missionary. And he, he was one who went to Africa. And one of his furloughs, when he came back and he was going back, and actually he was going back for the last time. And when he was going back for the last time, his wife had an inkling that he wouldn't come back. Those days, missionaries were missionaries. You couldn't travel like that, take a two-day break and come back. And when they went, they went. And often they never came back. And they died on their knees, like David Livingstone and all. They went to an unknown place, lived among unknown people, where the unknown people became their people. And they lived among them, preached the gospel and died among them. Bodies and all never came back. You Even in India, you can go to remote, remote places, you will see graves of missionaries who died among the people. Okay, city stud was like that. And his wife knew she couldn't go. He had to go. And when he was going back, they traveled by ship and all those days. And uh, as she was saying by that morning when he was leaving, her daily reading was, I shall bless the Lord all times. 
and his praise shall be continually in my mouth. And she took that promises and released her husband. She never saw him again. He died in Africa. The power of God's word to sustain you. It's living. It has power. That's why I say the most underutilized book in the world. Nobody ever, nobody can fathom the power of God's word. You think about it. Scientists are sitting over here better in science than most of us. Think about it. What is the first word spoken by God in the Bible? Let there be. Is it still moving? It's still happening. When did he speak that? Do we know? We don't know. It's still happening what he spoke. The light is still moving. You know, it's still expanding. When did he speak? That is the same power that is there in every word that has been written. The same power is there. God said, that's my word. It will not pass away. It's forever settled in the heavens. You believe, you hear my promise, you can hold on to it. Sunday, Wednesday we said, right? My word is forever settled in the heavens. He didn't say earth. In the heavens. In the heavens. And in the mouth of two witnesses, every word is established. And God says, my word shall not go void. It shall not return to me. So one witness is there. God has spoken. I received a promise. Now the second witness arises from earth. So the word spoken in heaven is established on earth. Therefore I say the word of God is near me. I believe and I confess with my mouth. It will come to pass in my life. Now God has two witnesses, he and me, he and you. That's how it comes to us. His word is settled in the heavens. You settle it down on earth. You receive your promise and hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know how young Joseph was when he went in as a slave. He was a young teenager, 17. Maybe the bigger slaves beat him up and all in the beginning and hit him on the head and all. And he must have rubbed and said, but this is destined for a crown because God has spoken. God has spoken. Have never in you in real life when you go through you will understand the power of God's word. Let us look at the next thing that most people, everybody goes through. What is called fear? Fears. So many kinds of fears. When the tiniest little boy or girls fear for the dark. Remember the little boy? He was lying in his bed. Thunder, power wind, lightning, thunder, and he was shaking, holding on, and his mother came, and she said, don't worry, honey, daddy and I are on the next room. He said, mama, can you sleep with me tonight? She said, no, honey, I need to go there, daddy needs me. He said, okay, go, that big sissy. (laughs) That big sissy needs you. I am braver than him, you go, okay? You know, everybody has fear. Don't tell me you don't have fears about your future. Where you are. And especially girls in India have more fears than because you have no clue what kind of creature you end up marrying. That's why Indian women have more fears about marriage than men. So all kinds of fears are there about future, about career, about promotion, about health. All kinds of fears are there. That's one of our major causes of illness. From there comes worry. Fear leads to worry. And that's why Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. Let's look at Psalm, same Psalm and verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from 
all my fears. All my fears. Do you see the power of God's word? All kinds of fears. Today is prayer request. Fear about exam. I sought the Lord and he set me free from that fear. Youth for jobs, for provision, marriage. I sought the Lord and he delivered from all my fears. Older people about sickness, health, death. I sought the Lord and he heard me, delivered me from all my fears. God says, name your fear and be delivered from it. Seek me and you shall be delivered. Because the devil is the father of fear. God is the father of faith. That's why God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear. I have not. He has not. Understand what the Bible is saying. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. The fear of the unknown. Most of the fear... What is that acronym for fear? False evidence appearing real. False evidence, that's what the devil does. It's not true. If you look in the word of God, all your fears are not true. The only way it will be true is that because you believe in your fear. What is true is the word of God. So either you can believe the word of God or you believe your fear. That's why I will always say one of the things is that you need to receive a promise connected to the top of the mountain and he just walked through the mountain, just walked away. Think about it. A mob and one person just walked away. Why? The promise. So do not be afraid. The disciples whole night they were rowing and rowing. Jesus was in the boat and then Jesus is coming, walking. They were afraid. Matthew 14 I think talks about it. No, 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 no. no. Matthew, Matthew. 14, 26 and 27. You know they were petrified when they saw Jesus coming in the dark. They said ghost. Even apostles believed in ghosts before resurrection, okay? After resurrection, they changed their theology. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. And what did Jesus say? But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of the unknown. The reason people pursue money more than God is because they think with money I can control my tomorrow. The pursuit of money is for tomorrow, not for today. Everybody has enough for today. But you're pursuing money for tomorrow so that I can be safe tomorrow. God says, your money is not going to keep you safe tomorrow. It's only I who can take care of you tomorrow. Money can take care of certain troubles, but not all troubles. There are certain things only God can handle and he is saying, do not fear, it's me. Remember the panic-stricken Israelites and God has so much sympathy for them because they have been, you know, these people like uh, the Israelites who have been slaves for 400 years, they have no spirit at all. You know, you've been like that. No, Like yesterday, a young man came. He saw, I don't know how he came. He came over there. He spoke good English. And he, he couldn't sit here. And then he started leaving. And when he was leaving, he had no phone. He said, can I call somebody? I said, okay, son, go ahead, call. He called and I listened to him speaking good English. And then he was leaving. He said, I need to go back. And he says, my, I, I, I am out of my house for seven years. My mother died. My father married another lady. She kicked me out of the house. And I said, what do you do? He says, 
I spent the whole day at Jesus Calls Prayer Tower. And then in the night, Jamia Islamia, somebody gave me a small room to sleep. Then I go back in the morning. And these boys who were registering at the, this thing had, a, had, had a, he says, a pastor's conference, do you have breakfast? And I said, no, only lunch. He says, I need to go. Then they gave him the bread and a packet of biscuits. And I prayed over him and he went. You know how they have no spirit at all. There are a lot of people in life that have been beatedly, constantly, the spirit is broken. This is the children of Israel, slaves, slaves, whipped, 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 given food and whipped to work. Now they are coming out and they are also excited and they turn back. Pharaoh's army is coming. Pharaoh's army is coming. Petrified. They have nowhere to run. And every person will say, no intelligent general will ever lead a set of people into a dead trap like this because they have been trapped in front is the ocean, behind is the army, no way of escape. They are petrified. And look at what God speaks to them through Moses. Most encouraged. This is the one verse that has encouraged me for years and years together. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. All they have is just one word. Don't fear. Now what are you going to believe? You're going to believe the army, the sea, or what God has spoken? Stand still. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. What a powerful verse. What an incredibly powerful verse. And you know what he says in verse 15 to 16 to Moses? And Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. You know, one of the things, I never drive. I have a driving license, but incredible traffic of Hyderabad, I never drive. And I look at all these young ladies, uh, Rachel and Priyanka, going and say, wow, they are good. <laughs> they are good. <laughs> the men are, are becoming dentists. They dent their vehicles. The girls are really smart. Have you noted? Okay. I cannot drive. But if, when I am being driven, if somebody else, the first thing I notice is, you see, most good drivers automatically reflex action, they get in and put the what is the thing? It's reflect. After a time, it automatically comes to you. Put your seatbelt. Everybody who's used to the habit of wearing a helmet and driving, if they don't wear a helmet, they feel uncomfortable because it's become part of your habit. You know, one of the part of my habit it's become over the years, when I'm facing stress because of a new thing that has come in, automatically my hand goes up. Because that's what God has always told me. Lift your hand up. I'll make a way. Lift your hand up. I get a news. It goes up. Lift your hand up. I'll make a way. Lifting a hand up is lifting your word. You will never be consumed. I'll take away. I'll take you through. Power of a promise. Power of a promise. Because fear is a weapon of the enemy. Fear is the Weapon of the enemy. I know I have said it so many times over the years, but new new people coming. But let me also once again tell you. In the old days, I don't know whether it's still true. Some places still true in Africa. When after grazing their cattle, they bring them into the enclosure, which is a, what's called a stockade. Wooden poles, fencing made, and the gate is shut and all the cattle are there. But in the night, the lions come. 
The lions cannot break the fencing. It's very strong and very high and pointed. But what the lion does is that if the stockade is here, the cattle are all over here, it is shut, and the wind is blowing this way, the lion stands here. So as the wind goes in, the cattle starts getting the smell of the lion and they start panicking. They start panicking. They start getting, moving around. And still it doesn't have the necessary effect. What the lion does is it urinates. It's very pungent, the smell. They start panicking again. Finally what happens, they panic and they start moving as a herd. And they break the stockade and they run out. The lion catches his dinner and goes home. The lion did nothing except make them afraid. So that in your fear, you will make the wrong move. That's exactly what the devil does. That's why God says, don't fear. Don't fear. When you fear, you make a wrong move. You make the wrong move, the devil takes you and he has in your hand. Don't move. There's a reason why God says, don't fear. Because when you are afraid, you make wrong moves. Be still. That's what he's telling Israel. Don't be afraid. Be still. That's a state of mind. Be still. And know that I am God. It's not standing, talking about standing still. No. That's not what God is saying. God is saying, tell them to go forward. He's not telling them to stand over there. He says, be still inside and keep moving. Keep moving. Divide the waters and keep moving. He's not telling you to sit still at home and fast for seven days. No, he's not saying that. He says, be still inside and know that I am God. Don't give in to fear. Because fear is a weapon the enemy uses to get you to make wrong moves in life. Don't give in to fear. Stand firm, be still, and see the deliverance of the Lord. He who trusts in the Lord shall not be desolate. Let's look at the third thing. The third thing is... If you want to have a full listening about it, listen to yesterday's pastor's conference. One of the major reasons is discontentment. Godliness with contentment is a great thing. And for contentment, you have to look and see, you can have a discontentment which has got nothing to do with the word of God or God's promises. And most of a discontentment has nothing to do with God's promises. So you cannot go outside the word and say, Lord, you were not faithful. He says, I am faithful to my word. Judge my faithfulness according to my word. Okay? Now this hamla that is going over India, over the the Pakistan bombing of this thing, it's because... No, somebody, somebody wrote a very beautiful, this thing saying every meeting, one political party goes around 60 years, Congress ne kya kia, Congress ne kya kia, 60 years, 60 years, Congress ne kya kia. When India became free, what did we have in this land? Nothing. How many homes had electricity? How many homes had, there were cycles on the roads, there was nothing in this land. 60 years, everything we have is because one party fought for our freedom. I am not a congressman. I am talking about the forefathers of this country. They were in, men and women of integrity. Now you won't have anything to say because you put a manifesto. You promised all these things and you have nothing to say what you did. But our God is not like that. He says what I have said, I am faithful to what I have said. So your discontentment should not arise out of ignorance of the word of God. God says, if you have food on your table and clothes on your back, you should be content. You tell me one person sitting here who can say, God hasn't fed me or clothed me. He didn't talk about in the Bible a higher education in the secular realm. No, no, those are gifts. 
Those are not necessities. Most of the people who wrote the Bible did not even go to school. They will be kings in heaven. So you get it? Thank God for that. Don't be discontent because you didn't get it. So let your, let your desires and your aspirations be according to the word of God. But one of the major reasons people are discontent is because God is faithful to the word of God and we are not faithful to his word. In Isaiah 6, when Isaiah, the young man, saw God, so I said, woe to me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean slip. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean slips. Why? Why did he have this incredible revelation? Because my eyes have seen the king. He didn't even really see, just Lord, a little vision over there and he realized, oh my God, my eyes have seen. I am undone. Woe unto me. I am undone. Woe unto me. Let's go back to the psalm we are looking at. Psalm 32, yeah. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Remember, this is only God can do. I cannot do. All we can do is confess. Only he can do these things. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That's a really, really blessed man. Yesterday I gave an illustration to the pastors. I was saying about, do you remember the incident where the young, rich, young ruler came, knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, how can I have eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandment. He said, I have kept them all from childhood. Love the Lord. I kept one, two, three. He was giving the whole list. Jesus said, oh, we loved him. He says, really loved that young man. How many young men can you come who has kept two commandments? Forget ten. But Jesus loved him. He said, no, you sell all your wealth and follow me. You can't carry that bag when you're walking with him. I'm light. I travel light. Okay. <laughs> Jesus was a very light traveler. He didn't have six trolleys behind him. He had one backpack. Let's go. And this man had a big baggage. He said, leave it and come. The man went away sadly. I said, now fast forward a little. Jesus is dying on the cross. Imagine in your mind, this man came over there. He's watching. Okay, he's watching. And he's a little close. And he hears a conversation. There is a thief on one side. He looks at Jesus in his pain and says, Lord, Lord. He first tells the other fellow, hey, we are sinners. He's not. Okay, be careful about what you say. Then he says, Lord, when you come to your kingdom, remember me. And he hears Jesus says, truly I tell you, you shall be in. You shall be in. My God, I kept commandment one, two, three, four, five, six. This guy just got in. Just got in. One confession. Transgression is forgiven. Sin is covered. God imputes no iniquity. You are in. That's all. You can't do anything to save yourself. Only God can. That's what's called grace. See the power of it. You can't do a thing. Other than say, Lord, this is what I am. That's what the man said. God said, you are in. Did you see? Romans 8.1 Why God's people are not desolate? Why? But there is now no condemnation. We sang that in the morning. For those who are in Christ Jesus. 
You may get a few whacks now and then from the father, but you're still a child. It's a father beating a child. You will never go through my experience. I got spanked as a father, spanked his son. I also got as a principal giving it to his student. The second was worse. But he was taught me lessons in life for those who did not know. Let me tell you, I, was, I still remember I was in class 6. And I looked from my window, I saw his office was empty. I didn't realize he was in another classroom where from the front he could see his office. He was a very smart man, he always watched his office. So what did I go? My class was free. I just went and sat in his chair. Six, class 6 boy. He saw, he didn't say anything. Evening when I came back, I came back home, played everything, musty young boy and only some child with them. The rest are all in body. I came back, he came back from office, he caught me and gave me the, he used a real cane, the spank. This time he's not even telling me what he's beating for. Usually I get advance warning. So I can hide behind my mother. Not like today's mothers. Old mothers, you have this wonderful protection called saris. You can hide behind it and half the shock the sari used to take. So I don't know who got bored, me or her. Okay, but this time I couldn't escape. He caught me and he whacked me so hard. Then I said, what did I do today? Because every day I did something. What did I do today? He said, you sat in my chair. It didn't make any sense to classic boy. Why would you get spanked for sitting in a chair? He said, that chair represents an office. It's a principal's chair. You haven't earned the right to sit in that chair. Understood? Okay, but here we are, children. I could sit in any chair in the house. I never got beaten. Because you're going as a son to his father. Okay, but that day I crossed a line. I went as a student and sat on the principal's chair. Those two difference. Okay, but there is no condemnation for our in Christ Jesus. Who not, do not walk according who do walk with flesh, but you who slip into the flesh, he will spank you and get you back. Be very careful. That's the father. Are you getting it? There's an incredible portion in the Bible. I know we all read it, we have known it, but something God showed me so beautiful it was. John chapter 19, verse 23 to 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said therefore among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture may be fulfilled which says they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Okay? They have stripped him, casting lots, and they take his tunic. They look at his tunic and they said, hey, we'll not tear this tunic. Let's, let's throw the dice who will get this tunic. This tunic was without seam, meaning seamless. One piece. It was not torn. You know why it was not torn? Because that is the righteousness of Christ that covers me. A seamless tunic. When I go before my father, I can enter because I'm covered with the seamless tunic, which is his righteousness. And God did not allow them to tear it. Because his righteousness can never be torn. I cannot enter into his presence in my righteousness. But all of us can enter into his presence in the righteousness of his son. 
understand why we are happy. Why we should be content. Why should we content? Because if, like I said, if you do not see with things that are unseen, you know, all the people in the world, starting from the Prime Minister of India to the President of India, all these big people, if they do not know Christ, they cannot enter into His presence. Well, anyone sitting here can walk in and walk out. That's how you count blessings. That's how you count blessings. You see, my friends, when I was studying in my father's school, all thought carnally. They always thought because I was the principal son, I could get favors. It was the other way. I never got favors. On the other hand, if I did something, I got double the measure. Because they would try to tell me, go tell your father, first end of time, second time, and all. You know, my father was so, so clear in his thinking. You would sit in the classroom like this, all of us sitting in the classroom, and he doesn't teach one or two classes. Suddenly one teacher is in there, he would come to the class. And he doesn't know the names of the students. And I'm sitting over there. Let's say where Hannah is sitting, I'm sitting over there. He says, your name? Your name? Your name? Your name? He will ask, look at me. Your name? He will won't even smile. He wouldn't treat me as his son. Just as another student. Clear-minded. Absolutely clear-minded that at school, you're my son. You're not my son. You're just another student. At home, you're my son. But we are at home with God. And we have this seamless robe of Jesus Christ covering us. That is the By faith, you receive the righteousness of Christ. With that, how can you not be content? What greater thing in life can you ever get than the righteousness of God? Free entry to God's presence. And by faith, have access to the grace of God, which is sufficient for every need. Why are you discontent? Oh my soul, why are you downcast? Did Peter read in the morning? Why are you downcast? That is why Hebrews 4.16 says, because of that righteousness, let us therefore come boldly. The key is on this word. Boldly. To the throne room of grace and we may receive mercy. Mercy. Receive mercy. And grace in the time of need. Boldly. For our thoughts are ordered by this book. Yes, we will face issues. We cannot be discontent. We cannot be discontent. What did Isaiah say in Psalm 6 verse 5? Oh, want to me, I am undone. Want to me, I am undone. Man of unclean lips, living over people of unclean lips. Why? Because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I am undone because my eyes have seen. Listen to the Psalm we are reading. Psalm 34, verse 5. They looked to him and they were radiant. They looked to him and they were radiant. And their faces were not shame. When man says, oh, want to me, I, my eyes have seen. And the set of people says, I looked at him. My face is radiant. And my face is not ashamed. Why? Because the righteousness of Christ covers us. We can look at his glory. In your own righteousness, no one can. But in his righteousness, you can. So how can you be discontent? How can you be discontent? That's why our thoughts have to be ordered by this word. That's why we meditate upon our word. That's why I keep telling the young people think I'm anti-education. No, I studied enough in my life. I am not. I am for education. But I say, look, education only has a trade. 
doctor, engineer, computers, what? Just a trade. Education is Bible. Your thinking should be controlled by the word of God. Don't let the philosophies behind education control your thinking. Because today, educational institutions are not teaching you skills or trades. They are indoctrinating you with philosophies. Which are anti-God. That's what I am against. That's what I am against. And you cannot allow that to happen. For that to escape that, when you are young, Get the principles of God, his word, his kingdom so strongly in that you can go three years, sit in a university with the best minds of that nation teaching you every other philosophy like Daniel and yet stand absolutely firm all the days of your life because your mind is controlled by the word of God. Because everything that he was taught three years was false religion, false philosophies and false education. It made no difference to his thinking and his lifestyle because his mind was controlled by God's word. That's what I am talking about. But if it's at the cost of your thinking, your education is a waste. Your success is a waste. Everything is a loss. Because in eternity when you stand, you will suddenly realize, oh my God, what a loss. What a loss. So don't let these things control your thinking. Let the word of God and surrender your life, your career, your trade. Trade, I like the old word, trade. You are a tradesman. Your trade at the altar and say, Lord, use me. But let me never, even my thoughts, go against you because your praises will stop and I will cease blessing your name. Be careful. Why are we not desolate? Because we put our trust in him. We put our trust in him. Another reason why we are not desolate. Psalm 34 verse 6. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Why are we not desolate? In spite of all our problems? Because we have a God who hears and answers prayers. The second most unutilized weapon in the believer's armory. First is the word, second is the prayer. These two people don't use. Here's the God say, come, come, come. Nobody goes. It's like Amani's sons, when they were small, probably, I'm just imagining when they were toddlers going Amani and saying, kya chahiye munna, chocolate chahiye. Baba ko three billion ka estate hai, kya chahiye, chocolate. It's like that. When we actually pray, what are we asking from God? Chocolate. God says, you know, one of the first promises he gave me years and years back and he led me into that psalm. I cannot even remember the psalm, but I know the promise. Ask unto me and I shall give you the nations as your inheritance. And I know I held on to that promise all these years. That's why the word has reached 185 countries. Ask of me and I shall give you the nations as your inheritance. Okay, Don't ask for chocolate and chewing gum. You need to understand, we have a God who hears us. This poor man cried. And the Lord saved him out of all his troubles. Who is this poor man? One year, let's think about this poor man. Who is that? One David, young man, teenager. Who is after him? A king and his army. What could he do? This poor man cried. Rescued him and one day cut the king out and put him on the throne. Later in life, son has gone, nation has gone on to the other side, all, and the smartest man has gone on to the other side. This poor man cried. What did he cry? One simple prayer, Lord, turn his wisdom into? That's all. 
The Lord heard me. Lord heard me. You understand the power of God's word? The power of God's promises? He says, come. And saved him out of? Ah, did you see that? Not some. Oh, God says, oh, sorry, son. This is too difficult for me. I cannot save you from all his troubles. Mark it in your Bible. All. All his troubles. That's our God. Because if it is written, some that my God is not mighty. He is not just mighty, he is almighty. That's why he is called almighty. This poor man cries and he heard me. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and ears are open to their ears are open to their cry. He hears the cry of the righteous. Verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The question is, did you cry? Did we cry? Have you prayed about it? Samis was a very wise man. This one new thing which I, not new, kind of relatively new, old, which I have started applying. Because what happens when you are in the ministry and you are pastors, people call up and take your time. I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I'm going through this. Hours together, counsel, counsel. Okay, so after late I have decided, so what's your problem? Have you prayed about it? No. So why are you wasting my time? Can I answer all your troubles? No. Is there somebody who can? Pray about it, then come back to me. There was this, actually I learned because of a pastor. He said, when this was going on and the Lord spoke to him and then somebody called and said, he said, sister, did you pray about it? Uh, he said, no, pastor. He said, pray about it. Two days later, she called and said, thank you, pastor. The Lord answered. Pray about it. Just cry out to God. He delivers you out of all the troubles. Pray about it. Learn. It is okay. This is a corporate pair. There is power in unity when we gather and ask in his name. But this should be second, not first. If this is your only prayer of the week, where you have never prayed for your own need and puts the burden on somebody else, God says, something wrong with you. You are not a stepson. You are a son. You are not an illegitimate child. You are a legitimate child. You can come to me. You don't have to be carried on somebody's shoulders. The reason we pray together because there is unison, unity, other promises. But the question is, first call is yours and mine. First call. That's what God is looking at you. The righteous cried to their pastor. Is it written? The righteous cried out to the prayer team. Is it written? No, the righteous cried out to God and he heard them. Actually, we learn to cry out to God. Our prayer request will all come down and one or two will be left which will be connected with something else which is not connected with us at all. Learn to pray. You will not be desolate. Why? Because you have a God who answers. Ask about it. Do you remember that um, one of the songs which I learned when I first got saved? I, I was not a, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not a, I was not a song man, but you wouldn't have wanted me to sing those songs. They were all Hindi movie songs. 
but I know new Christian songs, but there was that song, you know? Oh, what peace we often forfeit, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What lines, right? Unnecessarily carrying burdens, we should be cried out to God and left. And he says, I will answer you. In Psalm 50, verse 15, scripture says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. I will. I will. Learn these promises. This all promises should, should be ingrained in your heart after today. Yes, he said, if you cry the righteous cry unto me, I will hear and I will deliver you out of all your troubles. I will. I will. That's why we are not desolate. We are not unhappy. We are not depressed. We are not discouraged because which child who has access to his father who is the king would be discouraged. Depressed. That's why the apostles were flogged. And they prayed. They were flogged in Jerusalem. What did they do? They went and they prayed. And when they prayed, what did they ask for? They said, Lord, we need boldness. No, destroy our enemies. No, Lord, we need to go back to them because we love them. Give us boldness. Scripture says, God shook the place, filled them with Holy Spirit and boldness. They stepped outside and started. But why did they get all that? Because those poor men cried out to the Lord and he answered their prayers. Told you, change the way you think. Change the way you deal with issues. Start praying. Start praying. Start praying. You're just looking at one psalm. And we're looking at what God can do. He's a God who answers prayers. Then, every child of God from the beginning, only Adam and Eve and two sons, Abel, and Cain. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. And one kills the other. So from there itself it began. Spiritual realm, physical realm. Every child of God will be, have enemies. Simply because you are a child of God. Even if you are not a child of God, you will have enemies. But because we are God's children, we will always have enemies. Jesus had enemies. A man who hurt no one. He never sinned. was surrounded by enemies. What does scripture say? In Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord camps all around those fear him and delivers them. He said, you are my child. Do you know you have access to angelic ministry? You see, unless you see this, you will say, you are standing in your bike in the heat. The policeman has stopped you and you've been standing there and you're sweating and you're saying, Lord, when will this man move? Because why KCR is going or Stantar Babu Nadia, P, 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 one safari, after another safari will say, Hare, yeah, look at his security. God says, if you opened your eyes, that man is going with your security. Do you know your security? Do you know your security? You have angelic protection. Because you are my child. Who has security? The sons of kings have security. And he says, do you know who you are? You have enemies, but you have security. That's what the Bible teaches us. You have to believe who I am. Therefore, O oh Lord, you will deliver me. You will protect me. You look at Psalm 91, verses 9 to 12. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. How do you make God your dwelling place? By letting his word dwell in your head. That's how you make his dwelling place. Lord, I believe what you have said about me. 
I am your son. Why? Because I believed in your son's name. I am your son. So whether I am good or bad, I am your son. If I am bad, you spank me. But you will not use the devil to spank me. You will spank me. But you know what? My enemies will not triumph over me because I am your son. I am your son. That's what God is saying. Even the most high, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling places. See, if you look at that words, it is talking about, see, the chastisements of God are not evil. The plague, chastisements of God is not a plague. Shall not come near you. And then, for he shall give his angels charge over you. Angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Do you know? Does your soul rest on God? Poor Daniel. Every side he turned, he had enemies surrounding him because of his witness. Because of his incredibly powerful witness in the Babylonian Empire. They hated him. Surrounded by enemies. Finally they trapped him. Put him into the den. Full of lions. These lions did not have to roam around. To look for one to devour. He was sent into their midst. Next day morning. Listen to his testimony. Daniel said to the king. O king live forever. My God sent his angel. Shut the mouth. I believe he actually saw. The lions were were the king's prisoners. You know the next day the others were sent in. The lions ate them all. You know, I actually believe that when you are thrown in, he saw the angel come and shut the mouths of the lions. This is my son. Don't you dare do anything to him. I mean, if um, Daniel was a today's 21st century English people like you, he would have said, hi kitty, hi kitty, hi kitty, hi kitty. So cute. All, you know that joke, right? The cats who was Invited for the tiger's wedding. You don't know? A set of cats went for the tiger's wedding. And after the tali was all excited, the cats were all laughing. So the tiger asked, why are you all laughing? He said, before we got married, we were all tigers. <laughs> Good sister. <laughs> Matthew 18 and words there. And Daniel said to the king, oh no, Matthew 18 and verse 10. Take heed you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heavens, the angels always see the face of my father. All the mothers sitting over here. I know in today's world it is impossible not to worry about your children. But you know, give access to the angels, to the ministry. The minister of your children. So they, Lord, I am going here. I am going there. My child is going to school. Lord, you said their angels see your face. Let them watch over my child, Lord. Let them watch over. I don't know whether I can trust the ayah, Lord. But I know I can trust the angel. Who watches over. I've seen children who have seen angels. And they told me. They should call me Papa. They say, they are so huge. And they have a flaming sword. And they are so nice. Sent to protect children. So no harm would come to them. One verse. 
Peter. Not our Peter, original Peter. Acts 12. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off. On the other side, the church was praying. And their prayer released an angelic ministry to set the apostle free. You're surrounded by your enemies. You're surrounded by walls. And you're locked up in chains. The angel just walks through it all. And he breaks the chains. Takes him. The doors open before the angel. Takes him onto the street. And says, you're free. You can go. Do you see? Hebrews 12, 14. 1, 14, I think. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? All those who inherit salvation, angels are sent as bodyguards. Watch over my children. Wherever they go. Watch over them. They are my children. This poor man cried. God delivered him from all his enemies. You see? You remember that incredible scene in heaven and on earth when Elisha was surrounded? We know it. Let's look at it again. I love that portion. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. All around Elisha. Let me tell you, we know it in, we know it in human terms. If you have to meet the Prime Minister of India or President of India, they have what is called Z category security. Many, 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 many layers. So the higher up in the rank, your security level, you have a special group for the security called SPG. It's not one angel for Elisha. It's an army surrounding him because he is God's point man on earth. An army surrounding him. He cannot be touched. God is actually teaching Elijah through Elisha. Elisha, Elijah, Elijah. Why did you run? Do you know what was surrounding you? Do you know who you are? Army surrounding him. Did you see? Chariots of fire. God's people are not desolate. Because they are surrounded by angels. Surrounded by angels. You have to see and believe. Because our unbelief is that what blocks everything. Even the angel becomes... Unable to do anything, he looks at God and says, Lord, they don't believe. They don't believe. They don't believe you. What do I do? Because that's what God told Israel. You shorten my hand by your unbelief. Because, see, if, let us say, Jyoti is sitting over here. Jyoti doesn't believe in any of these things. Can an angel work against her will? No, God is righteous. Cannot. Angelic ministry. Appropriate. That's why I'm saying, I'm just, that's why I said one psalm today, one psalm alone, the power of God's word in just one psalm. Written 2000 years ago, 2500 years ago by someone. The power of God's word that is still living and applicable to every child's life. Sixth one. 
what is our greatest fear one of our greatest closest some in many cases highest fear supply what shall we eat what shall we not the ones who have much the ones who don't have what shall we eat what shall we drink the other side is a different question what all shall i eat what all shall i drink i'm talking about those who struggle with provision what shall i eat where shall i live how will i pay my bills it's a real it's a real you are in this physical body caught in the city especially it is a real 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 fear listen to what the psalmist says in psalm 34 again oh fear the lord 9 and 10 you saints there is no want to those who fear him the peter in the leading did he talk about fearing god there's no lack of want for those who fear him fear the lord you saints there is no want to those who fear him the young lions lack and suffer hunger but those who seek the lord shall not lack any good thing shall not lack any good thing the lord is my shepherd the lord is my shepherd i shall not now let me ask a little grammar or if the lord is your shepherd you shall not want so the question is is the lord your shepherd the psalmist is very sure i am not talking about the psalmist let us apply it to ourselves do you really believe the lord is your shepherd the lord is my shepherd shall not want that is the key do you believe he is a shepherd you have to settle that question first always jesus used to ask walker you imagine can you imagine somebody like jesus no purse nothing and probably he carried one because he walked long hours no gadi no horse no gadda nothing just walking around with a set of people and people come to him imagine people come to him and he will ask them what do you need a person is walking around with nothing asking everybody else what do you need what do you need what confidence right what do you need what do you need what do you need what do you need and it didn't matter whether it was small or big what do you need Oh, 10,000 people. Oh. Everyone will eat everyone. Today, roti and machli special. Brother Kiran's machli fry. Let's feed them. Get their confidence. He who fears the Lord shall not want. Jesus asked this incredible question to his disciples. This is a question he asked in Luke 25, 22-35. He said to them, When I The, the 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 key is this i when i sent you without money bag knapsack and sandals did you lack anything they said nothing the only thing that we lacked was nothing we had everything we lacked nothing did you lack anything what a testimony right what a question now look at it interesting how so you have to read bible like words by words by words by words and see the i think no i don't think i know god is the expert on language we are all bachas before his language skills and how he plays with words okay remember the rich man who was building barn after barn no 
Yeah. He spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. And God appeared. And God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? What did God call him? Fool. Why? Because God himself said in his own word, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So his lifestyle is showing, not his what he's speaking with his mouth. His lifestyle shows him he is actually walking around as if there is no God. And God said, you fool. You fool. What are you building all these barns for? What are you filling these barns for? You're going to build what? Bigger barns. Store it full. You fool. Don't you realize you will die tonight? What provision did you make for your soul? All your provision is for your body. What provision did you make for soul? Because only God can make provision for your soul. What provision have you made? You are not rich towards God. Meaning you made no provision for your soul. What provision did you make? Now look. Little immediately after that, Jesus speaking to the crowd. He's speaking to the crowd. This is a parable. Beautiful. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor. Do you see? Do you see these birds? They have no barns. This man had barns and no God. The ravens have no barns and they have God. Which category do you fall? Bonds and no God, or God and no bonds, or very smart, intelligent, intellectual, very smart, educated, say, I want God and bond. The ravens have no storehouse, no bond, and God feeds them. How much of more value are you than birds? That's what the psalmist said. That's what he's saying. I have God. So it doesn't matter if you don't have a bond. That's what Paul sitting in chains, he doesn't even have a chair, okay, in a dungeon. From the dungeon, in Philippians 4.19, is writing to the free people sitting in their churches and is writing this letter, my God, my God shall supply your need. Very, I always wondered about these words. What a man this is. He's not saying, my God shall... My God, I'm sitting here, shall supply your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Why are you desolate? Worried about supply? God says no. Final one. It's got nothing to do with seven numbers and although it's a very wonderful godly number, but the seventh one. Why are you not desolate? Why are we not desolate? Because one thing you need to realize, even if you don't gain anything, even if you don't succeed in anything, okay, telling you, 
even if you don't become anything in this world succeed in anything in this world one thing is guaranteed your eternity is secure absolutely secure because you believed in jesus you are a daughter you are a son of the living god you are absolutely secure eternity is secure that's why we are not desolate listen to the psalmist in 34 evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned the lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned nothing those who have put trust in him he redeems the soul of his servants that was the problem with the rich man he told oh my soul be merry be merry be at ease you put aside force god said you fool what about your soul you're talking about as your soul can eat all this what about your soul i am the one who redeems the soul what about your soul the eternal part of you the day you die your body and your soul is separated the body goes down and becomes dust unto dust ashes unto ashes but your soul the eternal part what about your soul god says he redeems the soul of his servants the soul of every redeem means he has paid the price for redemption and redeemed your soul the devil cannot touch your soul it belongs to god that's why jesus actually said um do not fear the one who can destroy your body kill your body be afraid of him who can kill your body and then throw your soul into hell fire soul is the eternal part don't worry about your body that's what god is talking about the righteous and the unrighteous what is the difference actually between the righteous and the unrighteous it's your future it's your eternity what is your hope honestly think about it We have been in so many places, talk to people of all religions. My dear Hindu friend, what is your hope? Karma. That's his hope? Karma. My dear Muslim friend, what is your hope? Allah, I don't know. My dear Buddhist friend, what is your hope? I hope after a million incarnations, maybe I'll become a Lama. What's your hope? my dear catholic friend what is your hope my good works good works good works good works my dear child of god what is your hope in christ i am secure absolutely secure in christ in what he has done i am secure my redeemer lives as the first book in the bible the oldest man in the book bible job midst of all calamity loss of everything still stands there and says my redeemer lives and if my redeemer lives even if you slay me i will still serve him my redeemer lives luke 16 and verse 22 so it was the beggar died and the rich man died it's interesting okay how god's word will not give you the full picture the actual picture it was that the beggar died and was carried by the okay the minute the beggar died the angels who were always with him just carried his soul straight to abraham so what happened to the rich man the rich man died only thing we are will be told about the rich man's funeral but the other side is not literally have heard people saying when people die they have seen the demons are dragging the soul down to hell the most 
agonizing and some of them near death experiences when they are dying you can see the terror on their face because they see the demons coming to take them well you see men of god lifting their hand and dying in peace because they know the angels have and i just recently heard about a gentleman dying and he just looked at his wife and said i love you honey they have come i'm going home and he died that's a difference that's a difference it's a real thing poor man died he was a beggar but he believed in god in the living god and his soul was redeemed and the angels came and took him to abraham the rich man died and was buried in silence and his soul was dragged from there we see the listing i thirst in agony why security which god gives his servants i have redeemed your soul that's psalm 34:22 i've redeemed your soul lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be ever condemned to that place you will never go to that place because you are mine you may be sitting outside a rich man's door all the days of your life as a beggar head to toe with swords but when you die they will know who you are that you were my son you go home the security which god gives you that's why we are not desolate because our soul has been redeemed and do you know what peter says in first peter 8 and 9 whom have not seen you love who is that jesus whom you haven't seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexorable and full of glory why receiving the end of your faith what is that the salvation of your souls salvation of your souls that's the end of my faith i lord i believe doesn't matter what happens to me here i know lord this is yours and i die i am that's what paul is saying to be absent in the body you know boys ah that one didn't come to class check which theater he is absent in the body present in the theater paul says to be absent in the body either absent udar hajar that's why i use all those terms my departure is near there god sign word 20 minutes to arrival paul is coming van vaja already coming great van is coming god what of his probably the greatest power is coming you have must have seen the excitement in even paul is coming paul is coming i believe the 24 elders also must have got up and said go to the father you have to see this that's how you go through life that's how you handle your crisis your temptations your trials your testing because the word of god is forever settled in heavens and lord i have believed in your word it shall not go void now i will settle it in my life through my mouth i will believe your word i will confess your word i will stand on your word lord because this is who you are the goal of my salvation Did I give you that uh, yeah can I have this a little poem which is over there I want you to read it okay it is pastor's slide but pastor didn't write it okay Oh what a happy soul am I although I cannot see I am resolved that in this world contented I shall be how many blessings I enjoy the other people don't to weep and sigh because I am blind I cannot and I won't at the age of 8 written by a girl 8 year old at the age of 
she became blind. Died at the age of 95, still blind. At age, she wrote, and her name is Fanny Crossby, who wrote all those famous hymns. Eight-year-old, blessed assurance, all her songs. Eight-year-old girl, blinded, writing. Oh, what a happy soul I am. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world, contented I shall be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I am blind. I cannot and I won't. I still remember her testimony that one day a man of God or somebody came and told her, Fanny, it's such a tragic, such a gifted, talented, anointed person like you cannot see. She said, no, I am the most blessed person on earth because when my eyes are open on what I see first will be the face of my Jesus. My first sight will be his face. I am the most blessed. Perspective of faith. Perspective of faith. As I close, I would like the worship team to come. I want the worship team to come. It's one of my favorite old hymns which I learned. Heaven came down. You know that one? Yeah. You know, this song was uh, 1961 in a Pennsylvania Montrose Bible conference. The, guy, the person who wrote, he wrote over a thousand songs called John W. Peterson. But you need to understand how this song was written. He was in this conference and there was an old man called Jim. Old Jim, they used to call him. So he came and gave his testimony in that conference. And old Jim's testimony was that he was talking about the day he got saved. He said, the night I met Jesus, I got saved. It seemed heaven came down and glory filled my soul. The old man Jim said, the day I got saved, it seemed heaven came down and glory filled my soul. James Peterson was sitting in the audience and he wrote that line down and that's how the song came. From an old man's testimony, the day I got saved. Can we have that song? Yes, Akshar, have you got it? Ah, yes. This is one of the first songs I learned in 1983 when I got saved. First song. Let's stand. Let's sing that incredible song about the day our Savior met us. And don't forget...
something which I tell people like that in the workplaces I have been. I have always told them there will be a point in your life you will come where nothing can help you. It could be ICU, it could be close to death. I will just tell you just call on the name of Jesus. You don't have to listen to anything that I say. At least on that hour call on the name of Jesus and see power of that name quickness, if you go to that previous stanza over there, the quickness, the transaction was made just like that. Mercy, righteousness, sinner is cleansed. The transaction was so fast. so And the transaction so quickly made. I came as a sinner and the offer of grace, he saved me. Oh, praise his name. Not like a religion. Work, work, work. Seconds. Not even microseconds power of the name of Jesus. Because there are people sitting here and you have heard so many years. You still haven't called upon that name. Still haven't called upon him. Still struggling with your own works and righteousness. Just call upon the name of Jesus and say, Lord, I surrender. I believe. I believe. I don't know about my life. It doesn't matter. My eternity is secure. Absolutely secure. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you. There is truly none like you, Lord. You are truly, these hymn writers knew you, Lord. They wrote about you as the lover of my soul. The devil is the lover of my body and wants to destroy my soul. You are the lover of my soul. You have redeemed it by your blood. And on that cross, there was an incredible transaction that took place, Lord. Our sin, all of us standing here, mine, sin on you, your righteousness on us. The curses that should have come upon our lives upon you, blessings upon us. Our weakness upon you, your strength for us. How quickly, Lord, the transaction was made. I pray, Father, in the light of what we have heard today, All of us, Lord, 
will exalt your word above every situation we will meditate upon your word we will hold on to your promises we will open our spiritual ears to hear from you and once we have heard we will hold fast to it steadfast knowing heaven and earth will pass away but your word cannot it cannot pass away help us to cling to the word lord your word your word your word you have spoken so it will be cannot change can never change can never change we stand on your promises we stand on your word when everything else is singing sinking sand your word stand forever let your word be ingrained in our hearts imprinted in our minds deep in our soul lord when the trials and the testings come spirit will bring to our remembrance your promises and we will stand on your promises thank you father thank you thank you thank you lord awesome god everlasting father our friend in need you are everything lord we just want to magnify your name today no wonder lord it is written in your word you have magnified your word above all your name we too want to magnify your word lord thank you father thank you thank you We believe the blood does its work in us. We believe your spirit is doing his work in us. We believe your word is making us spotless, blameless so that on that hour you can present us as your bride to your son, Lord. We believe. We believe, Lord, we believe. Let your word do its work, complete its work in us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Once again I pray for those who are weak in their physical bodies. We believe your word. You said in your word I am the Lord that healed thee. You said if you walk with my word, believe in my word, obey my voice, keep my commands, the sicknesses I put on Egypt, it will not come near you. This is the age and a time sicknesses are all around Lord, the same sicknesses the Bible talks the plagues that came upon Egypt. but father we believe we stand we know lord it will pass over us and i speak healing your word says i'm the god that forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases your word says i send forth my word and heal you of your diseases your word says the son of righteousness shall rise with healing under his wings and you shall go out like calves released from the stalls We believe Lord we believe believe we believe Lord release Lord healing into the body of Christ release your healing release your provision release your unction we stand Lord by faith for you are our father for you said come boldly confidently to the throne room of grace receive mercy and grace for every need you said lord we come father based on your word we need grace more and more grace lord 
Thank you, Father. Bless your children. Empower your children. That when they go into their workplaces tomorrow, they will have a song on their lips. And your praises shall be upon our lips continually, Lord. Continually. Your praises upon our lips. Because who has loved us as you have? No one, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now by faith in your sanctuary, we lift up holy hands. And we bless your holy name, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, Lord. And we confess and we proclaim with our tongue. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Can we sing the last dance once again? Heaven came down. Let's sing and disperse. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross my Savior made me home, my sins were washed away and my life was found to be. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We just thank you.